Welcome to the official business and lifestyle legends podcast. Real life stories, exciting interviews, and a lot of knowledge to change your life. And here is your host of today's episode, Ben Schneider. Today's episode is powered by jobmofi.com. Jobmofi.com is a job search platform where you can hire remote workers from the overseas, from all over the world, and you can sell your services on the marketplace. So if you need a remote worker, a designer, a virtual assistant, a web designer, developer, or anything else, go on jobmofi.com, sign up for free, only verified users, no fakes, no scam. Check it out. 14 days free trial on jobmofi.com. Welcome, guys, to this awesome new episode of the Business and Lifestyle Legends podcast. Today, I have another awesome guest for you guys. He is the host of the Kind uh, Count Nine podcast. He was a professional dancer for five years and is now the senior process engineer of a Fortune 100 company based out of Cincinnati. So also he is a writer and an author and his debut novel is Smoke and Lights. So please guys welcome Benjamin Goodley today. Hey Benjamin, how are you doing? Thanks. Hi. Hi Ben. Uh, it's nice to meet you. Fellow Ben. Yeah, <laughs> double Ben. My full name is also Benjamin. <laughs> so um, Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm excited to tell uh, your listeners. Awesome. Awesome to have you here, man. So there was a big transition in your, in your life. And I think your podcast is also about, about transition and lives and um, you're helping people um, yeah, to, to move from one place to the other in, in their life. So how did it came that you were starting as a professional dancer, which is quite awesome if you earn money with something like that or earn money with your passion, and then you change your life completely? Yeah, so dance is one of those careers like a career in athletics or um, just something really physical where you have to go through a career transition. Your body... Um, can't last you all the way until you're retired doing something so physically demanding. So um, all dancers, you know, are nervous about career transition. It's something that could happen outside of your control um, if you get injured or, you know, with uh, not a lot of funding for the arts, your job security is very low. So a lot of people transition when they just can't find work or get fired. For me, I... Um, got to a place where that that fear um, and the risks just outweighed the benefits. And so I wanted to really take control of my own career and transition earlier than I otherwise would have had to. So I um, was dancing from when I was 18 to 23, which is pretty young. It seems very young looking back. And yeah, by the time I was in my early 20s, I had done a lot of really great performances that I felt good about and was ready to do something else. I also was really motivated to learn more about our climate crisis, our global climate crisis, 
and um, engineering was also a really good way to get uh, into a high paying job without having to do a lot of university education, you know, several graduate degrees. So everything pointed me towards engineering just to try. At the time, I didn't know if I would like it or if I would be good at it at all, but I figured, hey, it adds up on paper. And it turns out that kind of, you know, rational mentality that I was using to navigate my own life is a great engineering skill set as well. And um, yeah, I really fell in love with engineering and it's been working out really well for me. Great, awesome. So you mentioned uh, the word a high paid job. Um, so I'm, I'm not really into that, but I could imagine that uh, also a professional dancer are not paid that well like a football player or in the US a basketball or NFL player. Um, so was that also a reason that you realized, hey, I'm a professional dancer, I'm doing an awesome job here, but I got underpaid and there, there needs to be yeah, other opportunities I, there? I, I like what you're saying about high paid job is is maybe not always the best term because your frame of reference changes so quickly. You know, when I was a dancer, you know, I, I felt really proud of myself for making over $20,000 a year. <laughs> And, you know, so a high paid job with that frame of reference was, you know, almost anything else. Um, really, and what I talk about with the Count Nine podcast is quality of life. Um, you know, having steady income and an income that enables investment or some flexibility uh, is, is just a whole different quality of life from, um, you know, a lifestyle where you're living paycheck to paycheck. And uh, artists too frequently sacrifice their own quality of life or don't have long-term thinking about what they're going to need to retire and what they're going to, you know, want to do you know, if they're feeling like they're stuck because they don't have any funding to, you know, try different business adventures or like buy a microphone to start a podcast, um, there, there are just some really empowering things that money can buy. And um, getting to a place where you realize that your career isn't giving you the quality of life that you want can be a really powerful motivator both inside the arts and outside. A lot of my guests on the show talk about coming to the same realization in different ways. And it's really empowering to say, you know, even though it's hard giving up something you've worked your whole life for, it is um, a guiding light to get you through a tough career transition if you really can define the quality of life that you're going after. You know, for instance, I really wanted to buy a home, you know, which I've been able to do as an engineer. I've got a great Victorian home here in Cincinnati. Um, so, yeah, that, that was definitely some of the motivation. And I always try to frame it in terms of the lifestyle that I wanted. That's something I think most of the people are aiming for uh, li to live a lifestyle that they want to live. But I think a lot of where there are two different groups one of uh, one group is the the creatives uh, let's call it like that the creatives with a the mindset they want to be free and the other group is the 
which is basically more on the entrepreneurial side. The the money making groups say they they overvalue money. Um, in comparison to their time, for example, so they want to they want to have a lot of money. They want to have a Lamborghini. They want to have a Rolex or something like that. And the other group, um, which is uh, basically more at the creative side, they want to have freedom. They want to have a lot of time. They don't need to have uh, a Ferrari or anything like that in the garage. They want to have time with their family and stuff like that. How's your point on that? Oh, it's so it's such a challenge. <laughs> if you figure it out, let me know, <laughs> because um, I think that uh, yeah, yeah, it is really challenging in terms of materialism to draw that line. But then it's also really challenging to draw that line in terms of um, you know how to what extent do you need to be um, fully committed to one thing. You know, a lot of the time that creative mentality is also coupled and, and the time for that creative mentality is also coupled with a lot of pressure that's artificial. That is all these people who are, um, you know, have bought into this idea that you're only a true artist if you're doing it 100% of your time. And becoming an author and writing fiction has been really eye-opening because a lot of, uh, almost all authors are balanced in how they approach writing. You know, it's pretty much only Stephen King who just sits down and writes, you know, really intense novels and then sends it off to somebody else who does everything else. Authors are also, um, you know, marketing their books. They are really involved in the business side um, a lot of them are teachers and um, coaches and are writing a mix of fiction and like self-help books. And having that eye-opening experience and then looking back at the dance community through this podcast, you know, a lot of my guests just felt all this pressure when times were tough to keep auditioning and stay in it. And if you take a week off, then you're going to be behind everybody else and people will be able to tell at an audition. There can be really toxic um, work-life balance things on both sides, you know, that, that work-life balance issue of wanting a Lamborghini and, you know, the investment banker who's, you know, going to stay at work until three in the morning or something for that. That's toxic. But I think that cre the creative industries suffer from some toxicity too. And um, it's really great exploring that with my guests and you know, just bringing more stories about people who did take, take time off and then went back to dance. I always like to talk about how, you know, when I went to college, I was only dancing for exercise and as a hobby, like once or twice a week. And I still was in really good shape um, just by having good teachers and still really loving it. So I feel like I could have gone back into the field if I'd wanted to at the end of my university degree. So... Yeah, I think I, it, it's really hard um, to find that balance. Um, it's you, you have to ask yourself what you want every day, um, I think, and to, to find the right level of intentionality. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So you were asking if I have figured it out already. I think no, 
<laughs> but but here here's the thing. Um, for example, let's say about this business and Lives of Legends podcast here. Um, when we have started that thing, coming up with an idea, working with a team on that, um, I'm recording interviews like hell. So I'm I'm based in Germany, and uh, if I talk to U.S. guys, sometimes uh, I need to do the recordings at I don't know 10 p.m., 11 p.m. my time, and uh, I wake up around five o'clock in the morning, and but I think I need to do that for a specific time range because that has to be done to be successful so and if i if i would not do that i couldn't value my time uh enough because um for example if yeah if i not follow my, my goals and my dreams and all that stuff around it i i wouldn't be happy so it it wouldn't make me happy to have three hours more time a day, um, but be not able to realize my goals. And to be honest, uh, I, I'm a father of a, uh, of a daughter, but also I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman, and I want to achieve these materials uh, dreams, uh, like or I wanted also uh, when I was young, like a Rolex and a house with swimming pool and all that kind of stuff. And when you have achieved it. For sure, you mentioned something like this is toxic. For sure, there is like a little drug or something like that that you want to have more. But I think so for in my case, I think there is there is a limit somewhere when you have achieved what you really wanted to have. Then it's good. So I have, for for example, the watch. I have the Rolex right now. I don't need a second one. It's okay for me. I love this uh, watch. It, it's good. So I think people are suffering or people are are working like hell until they have achieved their dream level, and then it's up to keep that level. So I, I think it could it could look a little bit toxic from the outside. If you're working like hell and doing all that kind of stuff uh, instead of I don't know doing party or or hanging out with friends or something like that but the other way is I think for some people that has to be done because uh, otherwise you wouldn't be happy so that would not make me happy to hang out with friends realizing hey my dreams are not getting reality yeah, absolutely. And, you know, following your passion is a really um, great way to be happy. Um, and I truly believe that, you know, people are passionate about so many different things. I think that there <clears throat> are sometimes myths that, you know, uh, a creative uh, pursuit is more valid as a passion or it's you know makes more sense to people that you would be passionate about the performing arts but when i've as i've been interviewing more guests and learning about how committed they were to their training and you know how many sacrifices they made to become a dancer i you know did some of those things but i was never that committed uh, to the point that I was when I got into university and was studying engineering, you know, I was just so passionate about learning um, how everything in this world works. I, you know, 
I, I use a theater reference for why I love engineering so much, but engineer, engineering and specifically chemical engineering, which is my field, is like uh, peeling the curtain back across the whole world. You know, everything around us is made somehow. And so um, infrequently now do we really understand what it's made of. And, and getting to look behind the curtain and have insight to all those steps is something that I found so, I, I found so intriguing. And yeah, I developed this immense passion for it and was, you know, stay, staying up really late studying. I, I had no regrets about putting in the extra time. And I even bought an extra textbook once that I didn't have to just because I thought it was really a fascinating topic. So um, yeah, and it, it's surprising uh, where different people's passions can lie. But if you know that it's your passion, definitely go for it. That's worked out really well for me. And um, I know it has for a lot of other entrepreneurs and successful people. Yeah, definitely. 100% agree. And I think that's a problem. Most of the people are not doing it like that because they are staying in shitty jobs because they uh, need to pay their bills every month and that shitty jobs uh, are paying their bills, uh, but they don't like what they are doing. And I think in these days, especially 2021, maybe, which is quite a tough year, but it has never been easier to make money by yourself. So you can, you can start things like a blog, like a podcast, you can uh, create social media accounts, you can start an e-commerce store or anything like that. And for sure, this will all not be easy. It's all hard and not everybody is, is made for the entrepreneurial lifestyle. But definitely, if you have a passion for something like that, it would be better try to start this than just realizing you are in that shitty job for the next 25 years. So um, why not starting something like that as a side business? So for example, you, you were a professional dancer and I'm not sure if you, if you cut 100% and then did the new stuff, but um, if you start an entrepreneurial career, for example, um, you can start as a, that as a side business, for example, a podcast about anything you, you don't have to quit your job today and start your podcast tomorrow. You can all do that uh, by a side business, see how it goes and then do it. But the problem is you need to put in the extra work, as you mentioned, uh, Benjamin, you need to put in the extra hours every day. And um, that's what people are often not are willing to do. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I that is the experience that I'm having um, with my author career is right now it's definitely a side business, um, a, a career broadening venture. I, I talk about in the first episode of the Count Nine podcast about how I see it really as career broadening and, and not a career transition because I do really love engineering. What I found, though, is that uh, working for a really big company is can be enabling. You know, you have a lot of uh, research funds available. You have really exciting projects that are going to go all over the world. But there are just a lot of politics. <laughs> you have a lot of different levels of approval to go through. 
um, you you know as an entrepreneur, so part of the exciting excitement of it is um, being in the driver's seat of your business. And so that's where becoming an author was really appealing to me. And it's also really appealing because indefinitely it can be it can be a side career the whole way uh, for the rest of my life. And I, I'm convinced that it will open other opportunities, even as an engineer. You know, if people find out, yes, I'm an engineer, I have a really rigorous technical background here, are my patents, you know, here are the projects that I've delivered, and I'm also an author of fiction, here's a delightful book. It gives people um, insight into how you can be, you know, not just one of the tens of thousands of engineers at your company, but a really special person to do very specialized work where you can value your time even higher. Um, and yeah, so I, I'm having to put in extra time on the side right now. I, I write in the evenings and weekends, and it's definitely hard to balance your family life around that. Um, I would say that um, for me, it's also a luxury to not be in a hurry and not have so much pressure on my author career where I need to crank out you know, several books as fast as I can to make money as fast as I can. Um, there's a silver lining to having it be a side career, which is that I can learn things slowly. I can afford the time to make mistakes. I have a little bit of a budget from you know, my surplus income I can devote some of my engineering income to this business, um, <clears throat> either equipment or you know mar some marketing uh, down the line or some editing. I can pay for some editing. So you know I, that that uh, dual career phase is definitely challenging. I'm in the middle of that right now. <laughs> you you said you know my debut no novel, Smoke and Lights. I, I'm actually having to rethink how I'm going to try to be become a successful, profitable author. This connects also to what you said about it's never been easier to make money as an entrepreneur. Uh, for, the, for centuries, authors needed to have publishers offer them a book deal. You sign over your rights and they give you a cut of the money that they make printing your book. Well, now with eBooks, self-publishing and being your own publisher has just gotten so easy. There are all these online tools and after, uh, you know, the income can uh, grow a little bit more slowly at the beginning, but then it's a lot more sustainable, a, you know, a lot more sustainable rather than, you know, a one-time book deal that's maybe broken in half. So I am rethinking, I'm, I've gotten a lot more enthusiastic about self-publishing, and I'm going to need to really rework um, what I put out as a self-published debut. Uh, in terms of the book, the right book to do that with. But, you know, that's the silver lining of doing it as a side venture right now is I can afford the time to do it right. Yeah, uh, I can definitely recommend doing self-publishing. We did that um, for a book of mine three years ago, I think. It was called um, Facebook Marketing for Entrepreneurs. And we had an amazing launch with around, I think it was more than 1,000 downloads in the first 24 hours. And it wow. went four or five months on bestseller in 
three categories on Amazon. So I definitely can recommend the self-publishing. And as you mentioned, you don't uh, need someone um, to print your book today. Um, you could do that by, by your own, definitely. Um, but what you mentioned um, some minutes ago, that an author these days do not only have to write the book, he has only to do marketing stuff and maybe graphical stuff and different, different kind of work. Maybe that's the problem why most of them are not making any dollars out of it. Because if you are, that, that's, that's just, my, just my imagination as an entrepreneur, because maybe you are a great author, but if you're bad in marketing or you don't know how to put a puzzle together uh, with having great designs and also SEO stuff or doing the right titles on Amazon or something like that, uh, nobody is reading your book. So you could be great in what you're doing, but if you are bad in marketing, it's not going to work. So maybe that's, that's a problem for some of the self-publishing guys because they don't want to or could not uh, spend any money on a marketing agency or a designer for a good cover or something like that. And in addition, they think they could do that by their own because basically tech, from the technical side, it's possible. You can upload it on Amazon and you could put your title and stuff like that. So basically it's possible for everyone, but if you don't know what to do, it's not going to work. And this could be a big problem for most of the authors or most of the creatives out there. Yeah, ab absolutely. I, I think that you need to invest in education. Um, there are so many ways to learn and you, you need to have the passion, at least in my experience, um, really believing in what I'm writing and um, really having a passion for you know this book being read by people um, you're gonna need that motivation to um, when things aren't working <laughs> try something else and uh, learn something new and and look around to the broader industry to find out what's working for other people um, you know I growth mindset I think it all goes into that concept of um, of just being really enthusiastic about the journey and uh, recognizing when it's time to bring in new ideas and when you are limiting yourself. But that also goes back to what I was saying about, you know, having the luxury of time is, re is a good thing, um, especially with launching a book, um, because it is a really crowded field, you know, uh, what you said about it's never been easier to become uh, an entrepreneur and make money with a digital business. It means it's a very crowded field. I think there are tons of podcasts being launched. There are, you know, thousands and thousands of books on Amazon. And so um, it, it takes time to get an income. It, it can sometimes take time to get noticed and um, having something else to support you to get you through that period and through your learning curve uh, 
is what I'm intending to do. And, you know, I, I think it's a great business model and approach. Definitely 100% agree. Consistency is the key um, in here because what you mentioned is completely correct. Uh, there are tons of podcasts, for example, out there, but the podcast example is a good one because uh, usually you could say, hey, why starting 2021 a brand new podcast? It makes no sense. There are already thousands and thousands of podcasts all over the world here and everybody is talking about entrepreneurship or stuff like that. But you need to have a deeper look on that. I think there is a statistic that I'm not quite sure, I don't want to lie, but uh, around 80% of the podcasts are not going to publish more episodes than seven. So there are thousands of podcasts out there, but most of the people are launching their podcast, starting it, publishing seven episodes, or let's say it, 20 episodes, but then they're realizing, hey, we are not doing as expected. Hey, we are not in the new no worthy category. Hey, we are not earning $10,000 a month. We're going to cut it. So yeah, they had started a podcast, but they are not active. So they are no real competitors to you. So if you have a plan, if you are passionate about it, if you know you are consistent about it, I would recommend you to start almost any business because in the long run, you could win. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, I remember, uh, you know, I was at around that 15 episode point with my podcast and wondering, you know, I was getting really great individual feedback from listeners, but not a ton of listeners. And then I was searching I, I was doing some SEO optimization um, for searchability and a few links down I saw this um, like podcast database website and that had an entry for my count nine podcast which I'd never like submitted to this database but I clicked on it and it said that I was in the top 10% of global podcasts and that's exactly because of what you said where just by having an episode launched in the last two weeks <laughs> you and and having consistent listeners even if it's small um you're already in the top 10 percent. so yeah that's um why we on this podcast launched three episodes a week so to have to be consistent and have uh all the time updates for the people so i think that's um quite important, but that's also depending on the niche. If you're talking about a small topic, you don't have to put out three episodes a week, but if you are in a crowded place, you need to stand out. So um, that's what we are trying for. And that's also what you're trying for. Um, first, as a professional dancer, you want to stand out because I think otherwise you are not gonna uh, do a professional career in an athletic sport. and. Also, then you did the transition to the engineer, uh, and then you were starting as an author. So you want to, you want to get your voice out there. I think so. Um, great, Benjamin. Thanks for that interview. I wish you all the best with your with your novel. I wish you all the best. 
um, with your podcast. If you guys want to listen to Benjamin Goodley's podcast, Count Nine, just um, yeah, go to iTunes and look for Count Nine. I'm sure you will find it there. Benjamin, is there anything you wanted to say to our listeners at the end of this episode? Thank you so much for having me. If you want to learn more about me, the podcast, or my novel, you can go to benjamingoodley.com and follow along on the journey. Um, yeah, it's been really great connecting with your new show and your listeners. Awesome. Awesome, Benjamin. So, guys, I think that was, again, a great episode. Hope you liked it. If you guys want to, you could rate our podcast. That would mean the world to us. And hopefully you will stay with us in the next episode. See you there. Bye-bye.